Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Being a wealth advisory firm, we obviously advise our clients on charitable giving, if that's a strategy that they want to discuss, right? On our show, we've talked with over 400 individual nonprofits and nonprofits that support multiple charities, like Impact 100, for instance. We've had Julie Ellenbecker, our president, and Sandra Geisler, our director of tax services, on the show to talk about donor-advised funds and foundations. There's so much to talk about relative to that, and I can certainly connect you if you want more information. I happen to know a few really good advisors who can help you with that. Sometimes we're asked to recommend some good quality charities to donate to, and there's a number of variables that factor into that, but there are so many great ones to choose from, and that's why we do this show so we can educate our clients and our community about some great options, whether that's an individual charity or nonprofit or foundation that supports multiple charities. Today we're gonna focus on a particular foundation that has a vast knowledge and expertise of our community needs and challenges and what resources and partners it takes to meet them. My first guests today are Kristen Meckhamson, Vice President of Development and Philanthropic Services from the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, and Cecilia Gore, who is the Executive Director of the Brewers Community Foundation. She happens to also be a board member of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Welcome to the show today, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us today. You're welcome. The Greater Milwaukee Foundation is Wisconsin's largest community foundation and was among the first established in the world. Very impressive. For more than a century, the foundation has been at the heart of the civic community, helping donors achieve the greatest philanthropic impact, elevating the work of changemakers across neighborhoods, and bringing people and organizations together to help our region thrive. So let's get started with the interview right away and have you start, Kristen. Uh, What drew you to a career in philanthropy, and what do you find most meaningful about the work at GMF? Well, I'm fortunate to have spent nearly two decades in a field that allows me to live out my personal values. Um, I grew up in a family where we were encouraged to give, um, of course, uh, through volunteer service, but also giving of our earnings to the community. Um, I've also been on the receiving end of others' generosity, benefiting from scholarships and an assistantship for college, um, and of course, having access to a vibrant city with public art and incredible parks. So the Greater Milwaukee Foundation really brings all this together for me. Um, you know, it recognizes that we are all philanthropists, but that we also all benefit from philanthropy. Absolutely. Well, Cecilia, you're a nonprofit leader, a philanthropist, and a community volunteer, to name just a few ways you serve Milwaukee. How has the Greater Milwaukee Foundation been part of your journey? Well, thank you, Jill. And let me first thank the Ellen Becker Investment Group for having us. You're welcome. Um, I am a longstanding board member for the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. I'm a fund funder, a donor. Um, I'm a campaign chair for the current campaign. So I've had a number of hats with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, all fulfilling, all impactful, and just really pleased to be here today. 
Well, we're happy to have you both here. You're a fun funder, huh? I'm a fun funder. <laughs> you are a fun funder. <laughs> Kristen, tell me a little about the foundation's history and how it works. Thanks. Well, you you uh, gave a great introduction, and so you know we were founded in uh, 1915, and um, you know more than a hundred years later, um, we have a amassed an endowment of over a billion dollars. So we have really strong record of investment earnings over the long term, and we of course rely on our board's investment committee, which is comprised of local leaders, um, to advise and oversee those investments as well as our um, consultant. But uh, together, they're really committed to sound strategies that keep us on pace and exceed um, exceed the long-term rate of inflation. So what we do is we allow our donors to grow their impact in the community over time, which allows them, of course, to make larger um, and, and meaningful grants into the community. Um, in addition to that, you know, through our donors' generosity, we have uh, over our lifetime um, awarded more than a billion dollars in grants. And, wow, um, that's very impressive. It is hard yeah. to believe, but it's yeah, it's incredible. Um, and you know, we always say at the Greater Milwaukee Foundation that we're greater together, and I think that is uh, exactly um, uh, shows shows that um, greatness. Uh, based on all of our partnerships. And so last year, for example, we awarded over $65 million in grants. Um, and we do that um, by advancing you know, grants from donors who direct them out to nonprofits that align with our donors' interests, and also through our board um, who direct, um, direct grants also through, through funds that the foundation left to us. Uh, you know, from donors who have given the foundation the flexibility to determine where the greatest need is at at the moment in, in time, um, and that really also gives us opportunity to be strategic in our grant making. And of course, I I do want to also acknowledge that our true strength is in our deep network of our incredible community partners. Um, so this is everyone from landmark institutions, grassroots organizations, donors, advisors civic leaders and you know all of the voices for change in our region and it's really through their investment and engagement that we can have a regional reach um, and a great impact so um, as a convener we get to leverage voices from all corners of the community and um, look to data and research to determine how do we deploy resources um, to um, to make the greatest impact on a on a significant scale and so do you just provide resources to milwaukee county uh, actually, we um, operate, the Greater Milwaukee Foundation is the Greater Milwaukee area. So um, Waukesha County, Ozaki County, and Washington County are also part of um, our foundation. And we, in fact, have partner foundations in um, in the region. So Oconomowoc Area Foundation, West Bend Community Foundation, and Greater Cedarburg Foundation are part of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Okay. Wow. Well, Cecilia, I understand there is a Greater Together campaign that offers an opportunity for anyone in Greater Milwaukee to engage in a generational vision for the community. I've heard you refer to your vision as a Milwaukee for all. So what does that mean to the foundation and to you personally? Well, I'm a lifelong Milwaukeean. And so, as you might guess, I'm very proud to be a part of this community. I've been involved in various initiatives for many years. And one of the things that excites me about this vision of a Milwaukee for all is it encourages us to think bigger and act bolder. We're asking people to 
learn, to educate themselves, to really look at the challenges in our community in a way that will produce solutions that we haven't been able to produce in the past. I think our, our vision is for the entire community. We want to bring people together and center our values and then move forward in a way where we can have the quality of life that we desire. Mm. And I think, don't you guys uh, make reference to the North Star? Uh, we do. Yeah. We do. We, we recognize, based on data, that racial equity and inclusion is an important aspect of what has been holding us back in our community. So we're really trying to unpeel our history and understand it, educate ourselves, look at systems, and determine how we can move barriers out of the way so that we can all thrive. Mm. And everybody wants that, right? Yeah. I think so. I think so, yeah. Since the Greater Milwaukee Foundation is now officially in the Centennial Club, they obviously have had to adapt with the changing times. We need to take a quick break here, but stay tuned because when we return, we're going to talk about how the Milwaukee Foundation is approaching some of the complex challenges we're facing today. So don't go away, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Kristen Meckhamson and Cecilia Gore from the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. So the foundation has been serving the community for over 100 years. Very impressive, and I'm sure you've grown and adapted with the times. The pandemic alone caused a sea of change for everyone, I think. So how are you approaching the complex challenges that we're facing today in our community? Um, I would say we're trying to look broadly at the issues that our community faces. We're trying to engage uh, residents' voice in our strategy so that those that are greatly impact impacted by issues can weigh in on strategies and solutions. Um, we're actually reimagining philanthropy. We're engaging people with their time, treasure, talent, and their ties. We truly believe that everyone is a philanthropist and has something to offer. And in the past, I think that viewing um, that sector of philanthropy has been more limited. And so we're trying to push the envelope and recognize that everyone can play a role. Mm. We're also trying to look at systems change, lasting solutions that will remove barriers that are causing structural inequities. So really delving in, looking at the data, trying to remove barriers and really get at a place where we're making a difference. And then finally, I think we are trying to build an inclusive culture. So we're leading from within as an anti-racist organization. We're engaging all voices in this whole strategy called uh, Milwaukee for All. And I, I believe that we will be better off with this type of strategy. I think we will make a difference. I think we will move in the direction that we'd like to move in. And I'm really proud to be a part of it. Well, how would you say then the philanthropic community is responding to the growing needs out there? And 
how can they partner with the foundation? There's a lot of things, great things that you have going on, great things that you're requesting of the people that are involved and great projects. Um, you know, how can, how can people partner to make a difference? Well, we have this excellent campaign that we're engaged in. It's a $700 million campaign. We have a lot of excitement around what we're trying to achieve. There are opportunities to be educated, to learn, to attend an event. You could start your own fund, not only for what we think is important, but for work that you think is important. Oftentimes, I think that donors believe that their ideas are different from what the Greater Milwaukee Foundation has mapped out, but I think that when we have great conversation, we find that we're really closer to what it is we're trying to achieve than, than we may think. Mm. So I think, you know, having a conversation, uh, paying attention to the literature that we have out there, picking up the phone and talking to one of our four co-chairs or to our fantastic staff, very knowledgeable people is a, a good way to get involved. Okay. Well, Kristen, what are some of the priorities that you're specifically focused on? And and where are your resources? What resources are needed most? That's a great question. So building off of what Cecilia shared of our broad $700 million goal, we've um, focused $50 million in raising funds for five strategic areas. Again, this goes back to data, community voice, um, and re really the greatest needs of our community are. And you'll notice that they're all interconnected, so I'll just take them each in turn. Um, and, and I'll say this, um, you know, again, echoing what Cecilia said, that all donor interests are welcome, of course, as we look at these, and we're finding um, that uh, more and more donors are seeing alignment in their passion points with our strategies in terms of the kind of impact they want to have. So the, the areas uh, that have been identified by the community are um, uh, first, um, early childhood care and education. So making sure every child has the best start in life. Um, through access to high quality care and education, 80% of a child's brain develops between ages zero and three. And so it's such an important moment. Um, and uh, based on research that we've commissioned, we know that one in three children in our community don't have access to quality care and education. So that's a really important building block. Um, and there's, um, you know, especially disparity among our black and brown communities. So uh, knowing this is a bridge to kindergarten and a thriving uh, K-12 career, you know, early childhood care and education is certainly a, a critical priority. Um, housing is another major building block of life. So we're uh, focusing uh, our energy and prioritizing housing in terms of uh, quality affordable homes. So we do this in partnership with the Community Development Alliance. So GMF is a founding partner of this organization. Um, so we want to make sure that our strategies align with the work of that broad partnership. Uh, so we are um, making some progress in that space. I'll also highlight our priority of impact investing. This is um, acknowledging that our communities hold great talent and assets. And so uh, we want to make sure that we can advance economic opportunity, especially in places that haven't had in investment, um, in, especially in businesses and communities of color. So uh, this will um, help folks be able to earn, save, invest, uh, plan for their futures. It's, that's a new and innovative model, and um, we're certainly, again, seeing success in that space and have had many donors join us in that. 
Um, one of the most exciting uh, things we're working on is our Thrive On collaboration, and that's really focused on health equity. This is a partnership among the foundation, the Medical College of Wisconsin, and Royal Capital Group, and it's grounded in our commitment to health equity um, so everyone has the resources to live healthy, thriving lives. Um, and that um, starts with the redevelopment of a building, the former Gimbel Schuster's building, on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Drive in Milwaukee's Bronzeville District. So uh, there's a lot of exciting things to share about that. Um, we're focusing the entire first floor on community. So there'll be an early childhood care and education center, a food hall, um, community space, and more. And, and just to what uh, Cecilia was sharing about community voice and making sure resident voices are at the center, the community is our most important partner in this, and they have informed the space. Uh, we're moving into um, the Halyard Park and Harambe and Brewers Hill neighborhood. So we're the new we're the newcomers. Uh-huh, <laughs> the new kids on the block. We're the new kids on the yes. block. And so we want to make sure that we are um, respectful of what they want. And and the last one I'll, I'll talk about is um, flexible funds. So as you mentioned, for over a century, we have um, been adapting continuously. One of the um, best ways we can adapt to changing needs is really um, through flexible funding. And, and that means that, you know, in the early years of the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, um, the foundation was tackling um, uh, tuberculosis treatment and orphanages in terms of supporting those important needs. Uh, but most recently, it has been mobilizing resources in support of uh, COVID relief, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so we appreciate the foresight of our donors. And I don't know, Cecilia, you have been really close to this work. Is that something you might mind to share a little bit more about? Yeah, I was going to, if you had asked me what one of my favorite success stories uh, would have been, it would have been the uh, Milwaukee Response Fund. And as we know, in our lifetime, COVID has been overwhelming in many ways and for many people. So to be able to bring a large group of people together and to coalesce and convene convene around the issues related to COVID, I think um, were managed in a very powerful way. Um, So I was very proud to be a part of that. And I think that's one of the benefits of having a community foundation. You have a lot of partners, a lot of individuals that are interested. You have some very knowledgeable people that are pulling ideas together about how you could be helpful, and then you can tap into that to make a difference for the broader community. Absolutely. You just bring different people, different backgrounds, different talents, bring them together to figure out how you can best serve the community, for sure. Well, you guys have a lot of great things going on. We can't certainly... uh, do a deep dive into everything. Our, our goal here is to just plant a mustard seed so people become somewhat familiar. Um, what would you say are some actions our audience could take if they want to get involved with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation? I'd just start out by saying we have a lot of fun. Because <laughs> um, you're fun funders. <laughs> yes, we are. And I have to tell you, for me, it has been just a really meaningful experience in my role with the Brewers, I interact with tons of nonprofits and individuals, our fans. So you might guess that you know I have a variety of ways to engage in the community, but working with the Greater Milwaukee Foundation has just been fantastic. Um, I've attended many of the events. I've learned a lot based on what they've mapped out to share with the community. 
we've co-invested not only through the brewers, but my husband and I created a legacy fund that I think was life-changing for our relationship in that we came together and decided that we wanted to do something that would um, last in perpetuity mm -hmm. so you could create a legacy. You could consider volunteer opportunities through GMF with a local nonprofit. So there's just a long list of things that you could do to learn more and be involved. Okay, and what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Sure, I would, um, I would suggest checking out our website. That's greatermilwaukeefoundation.org or giving us a call at 414-272-5805. Okay. Well, uh, again, we talked about a lot of different things here. We kind of went over things quickly, and, and we're not able to do a deep dive, but I encourage you to reach out uh, and just find out more about the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Thank you, Kristen and Cecilia, for being here today and participating in our interview. Thank, thank you, you, and thanks to EIG. You are welcome. You're welcome. Well, we mentioned in the first segment that civic and government leaders and professional advisors were people that GMF collaborated and partnered with for a common goal. We're going to take a quick break, but after, we're going to learn more about one of those organizations that the Greater Milwaukee Foundation works with. So don't go away, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. And my next guests are Dr. Howard Fuller and Corey Nettles from the Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy. Welcome to the show today, guys. Good afternoon. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Uh, why don't you start, Dr. Fuller, by telling us why did you start this collegiate academy? Well, actually, um, I started it along with uh, seven African-American clergy uh, representing different dominations. What had happened was the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program had been passed, and a number of elementary schools were developed uh, by black people on the north side of Milwaukee. And we felt like there needed to be a Christian high school. So back in 2004, which was our first year, this group of pastors, along with myself, uh, created CEO Leadership Academy, which actually stood for Clergy for Educational Options. And we knew that we needed to uh, have a high school. So the idea was we have these elementary schools. What about a high school? So given that the Milwaukee Parental Choice Program had passed and we had the, the ability to use that program as the financial basis for starting the school, we felt that we, we needed to have that school started. And the goal was, as it is now, to provide the best quality education that we can for the young people who come to our school. Okay. All right. Well, what about you, Corey? What's what's your involvement with the Academy and, and why did you get involved? Well, I've been involved in some form at Dr. Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy since it started. In fact, its first location of a school was in my church. My pastor, Pastor Ivy, was one of the seven founding clergy that uh, Dr. Fuller spoke about. I got involved with the school from the beginning. I've stayed involved. Uh, because of the students that it serves. It, this school, Dr. Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy, serves the most academically 
and socioeconomically disadvantaged kids in our community. Uh, it takes kids who turn up to us in ninth grade with significant deficiencies in math and reading, et cetera, and it really puts them on a path toward having productive uh, lives, uh, supporting themselves and their families, being good citizens and all that sort of good stuff. And they're getting the kind of outcomes with students that other people are failing to serve. And whether that's NPS or other uh, private schools or other charter schools, uh, we take some of the hardest to serve kids and get really good outcomes with them. And that has inspired me uh, to stay involved and to want to serve as many kids in our community as possible. Okay. Well, what differentiates you then from other charter and private schools? You mentioned a couple things, but are there other ways that you are different? Like what, what's your secret sauce? Well, you know, I, I, I want to make it clear that I think that uh, all schools in this city, whether they're in Milwaukee public schools, charter schools, or private schools, that are serving our children are serving children with difficulties, uh, children who have both academic difficulties, social and emotional difficulties. And so while I do think that our school, because of our, our focus on college, the fact that over the last 11 years, 100% of our graduates have been accepted into college, uh, and the fact that, as Corey mentioned, we take all kids. We don't. We, we want kids who want to come to our school. And so while I think that there's some things that we do that are particular to our school, I want to make clear that I think there are really great educators all over the city of Milwaukee in all of the different sectors who are, who are serving some of the most difficult uh, children. And, and not that the children are difficult, but that the circumstances mm that the kids experience make it very difficult for them to be successful in school. And so while I, while I, I do love our school and, and, and I love what we're able to do, I, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm also recognizing that some of the things that we do and the children that we serve, that that's a common reality in the city of Milwaukee. But that if there is the one thing that, that we've done is to have this singular focus on trying to make sure that, that our young people who graduate, who want to go to college, that we prepare them so that they can make that kind of a decision. Okay. And you said 100% go on to be accepted into a college. Yeah. So 100% of our, our graduating seniors over the last 11 years have been accepted into college. Mm -hmm. Accepting is not the same as going. Going is not the same as completing. But you can't go or complete unless you get accepted. Right, right. That's the first <laughs> and, step in the process, yeah, right? And, and, and some of our young people who get accepted into college end up going into the Marine Corps, for example, or making different decisions, which is fine, mm -hmm. because ultimately we think those decisions ought to be left up to the, to the young people and their families. But we want to make sure we position them so that they can make that decision. Okay, all right. Well, what would you say inspires and motivates you guys then to do this challenging work? You know, do you guys ever get discouraged? Yeah, I think the thing that inspires me is, you know, cer certainly first and foremost, you know, Dr. Fuller's many decades long advocacy on behalf of our kids and their families uh, in this community and literally across the country. That, that's inspired me when you look at that body of work. 
The other thing that inspires me, you know, I've been out at the entrance of the school at the beginning of the day when Dr. Fuller is there. And you look at these kids who are coming in from some difficult circumstances, and you see that sparkle or that twinkle in their eye because they know they want more. They want more for themselves than their families had had. And they're coming to us to equip them to go and get more. And if you've got folks who are coming to you who are asking for that kind of help, who are asking for the opportunity to change their trajectory, to break cycles uh, of poverty and, and, and the like in their family, you've got to be inspired to help these particular kind of kids. These are not kids from affluent families and, and privilege. Uh, these are, are kids who are coming from circumstances that are more difficult than any of us can imagine. And notwithstanding those circumstances and what they went to bed in that night before, they show up there that next morning wanting to do better. And you can't help but be inspired to, to help them close that gap and to, and to become the, the best selves that they can be. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I operate on the, the, the viewpoint that to those of us who much is given, much is required. And I've, I've been fortunate in my life to have grown up in the city of Milwaukee, to have had people like Mr. Wesley Scott, George Nash, all of these people who poured into me. So that as I was growing up, I made a decision that I wanted to do the same thing, that I wanted to come back to the community that I grew up in and give back in the ways that people gave back to me. So for me, it's a, it's a responsibility that I have you know, to these young people, because when I look at these young people, I see myself. I, I grew up, as I tell them, running these same streets that they run. And, and, but I think the world that they're living in is, is infinitely more difficult and complicated than the world that I grew up in. And so all I'm trying to do, along with the help of Corey and all of the people in this community who, who've, who've been supporting our school, I want to make sure that I do my part to give these kids the best possibility of changing their life trajectory. I think that that is my responsibility. Mm, and you can, uh, I can hear in your voice the passion that you have around that. You're kind of paying it forward, right? Um, tell us more about your students. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about that. You know, where do they come from? And what do they have to do specifically to get enrolled in your school? Well, our students come from all over the city. Uh, um, we, as, as I said, we accept all kids. So what they have to do is simply uh, seek enrollment. I mean, they have to apply. Uh, and then once we get to a number, like we have a waiting list right now, I think, for ninth graders. Once we get to a number that is you know, more than what we can handle, we create a waiting list. But it's, it's any student who applies, who lives in the city of Milwaukee, is eligible to come to uh, our schools. So we have kids who come in from all over the city. We have some kids who ride three buses in order to get to us. Wow. Okay. So. Wow. Um, well, I think everyone who's involved in educating our youth today could say that it can be challenging at times, right, to say the least. Um, what about the teachers at Dr. Fuller Collegiate Academy? Are they overburdened? Are they stressed out? Are they up for the challenge of supporting the students in multiple ways? Well, we're going to get some insight on that in our next segment, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking in this last segment with Dr. Howard Fuller and Corey Nettles from the Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy. So, guys, let's talk about the teachers and those who help you do this work. How do you find them, and how do you keep them? Well, we've been blessed with some of the most amazing teachers in our community. I mean, we all as a society owe an unpayable debt to, to all teachers. And over the last several years, uh, the teachers have really taken it on the chin. Uh, the stresses of COVID and having to operate in a hybrid or a virtual environment, kids who miss two years of school who show up two years later. We have ninth graders who've never been in the seventh or eighth grade, as, as Dr. Fuller likes to say. Uh, so it's, it's a real, real challenge. So between uh, COVID burnout, there have been a lot of uh, people who left the profession. We've got boomers who are retiring from the profession. And then at the front end, teaching isn't sexy and it's not rewarded. So we have fewer people who are going into the profession. So we have what I would call a, a crisis of, of, of supply of good teachers in our community. Notwithstanding that, we've been fortunate to hire the teachers we need. They are committed to the cause. They're committed to these particular kind of students and serving them. Uh, one of my favorite teachers in the school is a woman who came to us from uh, the Western Suburban High School. She wanted to be in an urban environment. She wanted to serve students of color after many years of being in the suburbs. And she couldn't be more passionate about the work that she does uh, than, than anyone else. So we've been blessed with, with finding and retaining good teachers because they're committed to serving these kinds of students. Uh, we do everything we can. Dr. Fuller and our principal, Judith Parker, engage them frequently about what do you need? What, what, what do you want to be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? What's your challenge today and how can we help you solve it? So we're trying to be responsive to the demands and the challenges and the stresses on them and make sure that we're providing them the best environment in which to do their work. But mostly they come to us because they're committed to the cause and to the mission work that we're doing. Okay. Well, what about beyond the students' educational needs? You know, are the teachers equipped and up for the challenge of supporting your scholars beyond their educational needs? Yeah, one of the things that we do in our school, uh, and you asked me about that earlier, but one of the things that we do is every one of our students has a mentor. Uh, and those mentors are the people in the building. So we're, we're asking teachers not only to teach, but also to be mentors to students, to make sure that they know students, that they understand the kind of issues that, that students are bringing that go beyond just academics. So as Corey said, one of the things I did last year was I sat down and talked individually with every single one of our teachers. And I basically asked them two questions. Uh, number one, what can we do to make you better? What, what, what more support can we give you? And number two, how are you feeling about teaching? And I wanted to know about that because of all the information that's out there about teachers quitting, which is true. And there's actually a, a, a TikTok, teacher quit TikTok, oh my that goodness. teachers get on and just talk about, I just threw my books down <laughs> and left. And, 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 there, and there's a lot of this out there. So I wanted to know from our teachers, how are you feeling about teaching? Do you see yourself being in teaching? you know, over the next uh, couple of years. And, and, and I was really uh, happy and to, to get the kind of answers that I got. Because of the 26 teachers that I talked to, only three of them couldn't see themselves in teaching 
you know, over the, over the next several years. But one of the things I, I recognize, and Corey knows, and we've got to do better at our school in terms of the benefit package that we offer for uh, teachers. Because one of the issues that came up in these discussions was people who want to remain with us and who want to remain in teaching, but they've got families. And they're obviously trying to get the best salaries that they can get, the best benefit structure. And because of the inequities in the way that funding is allocated in the city of Milwaukee, an issue that we're going to have to work on, we're not able to provide the kind of package to our, stu- uh, our teachers that they need. So that's a, a real issue that we're going to need to work on and address. Mm. And the only th- other thing I'd add is, you know, back to the full needs of our students, is our teachers aren't doing this work alone. Dr. Fuller talked about the mentors, but there's an African proverb, it takes a village. So we lean very heavily into partnerships. The Greater Milwaukee Foundation is a partner. Milwaukee Area Technical College is a partner. Boys and Girls Club, Strive 365. So we're trying to say, what are the whole host of needs that our scholars have? And how do we have the teachers play an important role in that? The mentors play an important role in that? But what are the additional resources that we can put around our students, our scholars, to help ensure their success? So it's all of that working in concert that gives them the best shot uh, at being successful. Mm. Yeah, we often say that not one organization can do it on their own. Yeah, so exactly. you, again, you come together uh, collectively yeah, to provide absolutely. the best service, absolutely. support, program, whatever it is to absolutely. the population you're serving. Absolutely. Um, well, what would you say have been your biggest challenges to your success? Well, Corey mentioned the the academic realities that we face of our students coming in. Uh, Because when you're uh, a high school and you get young people who come to you reading at third and fourth grade levels or sixth grade levels, most high school teachers who teach English Lit (laughs) have never been trained to teach kids who can't read. Mm. And so the academic preparation that our kids come to us with is a critical problem. A second issue, obviously, are all the things that happens to many of our children before they ever walk through the doors, uh, whether it is not having adequate housing, not, not having food. I mean, these, these are real issues that our children face, and all of those things impact our ability to give them the best education that we can. And then an, another thing, and I'm so thankful to Corey for his leadership and Thelma Sias and Patty Godoran, who've led uh, a campaign committee that we have, because we're in the process of building a brand new high school. And that state-of-the-art high school is something that not only do our kids deserve, but it's going to give us the, the, a tool, a better tool, to do what we need to do with our kids. And, and the building that we're currently in would be converted to a middle school because the goal, the, our idea is if we can reach them earlier, then people are going to say, well, you need an elementary school, <laughs> that by the time they get to us at the high school level, they'll be better prepared. Sure. And I'll let Corey speak to that because it's an important thing that we're working on. Yeah, so we're in the market right now with a $25 million capital campaign to raise the resources we need to build the new high school and the new middle school. We'll take our high school population from 325 to 500 
and we'll launch a new sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and that'll take us to 325 or 350. So over the next couple of years, our school will go from being at a single site to being at at least two sites, from 325 scholars to 850 scholars, because uh, there's that kind of demand and that kind of need in our community. It's been amazing to us how the philanthropic community has really stepped up to support this work. Against our $25 million uh, capital campaign goal, we're just over $20 million now. We had our groundbreaking a couple weeks ago. Uh, we'll be doing that construction for the next year or so. Then we'll do the remodel of the middle school. And it really positions us to grow and to serve more scholars and more families in our community. And, you know, we just couldn't be more pleased with where we are. Dr. Fuller's legacy has attracted resources from all across the country. But the local philanthropic community has just stepped up in a huge way to support us in giving more opportunity to these scholars and these families. So it's been huge. Mm. So those are some of the things that are coming up in the next couple of years. Where where are you as a school in 10 years? Well, I'll let Doc speak to that. Well, <laughs> no, I'll let Corey speak to that because he's going to be the one who's going to be around here in you know, 10 and years. In an, ideal, in an ideal world, we'd be serving, you know, 2,500 plus, 2, plus scholars and families at multiple sites. We're a high school today. We're going to be six through high school in the next couple of years. As Dr. Fuller alluded to, we got to go K through 12. We got to, we got to really get the students earlier. They turn up with too much deficiencies by ninth grade and all the data is you got to get them early. So over the next, you know, five years, you know, I envision us being multiple sites uh, and being K through 12 and, and just serving more scholars and family and getting excellent academic outcomes for all of them. That's really our, our North Star. Okay. And how can the community best help support your goal? Well, you know, obviously, as Corey said, we, we are continuing to seek help uh, to build a new building, uh, to renovate the, the building that we're currently in. So obviously, we, we, we need all the donations, all of the gifts that we can uh, possibly give. Uh, additionally, you know, we're always looking for internship possibilities, you know, for our kids so that they can have, you know, real life uh, experiences. And, and we're interested in having people come to our school, come visit us. I mean, anyone who's interested in learning more about what we do, we, we'd welcome you to come and visit and see what we do, talk to our kids, and, and, and get a better sense of, of what we're trying to accomplish. And where are you located? Well, currently we're uh, on 29th and Capitol Drive, right by Popeye's. Okay. Uh, 40, <laughs> 4030 North 29th Street. But we're going to be, the new building that Corey referenced is going to be in the Bronxville uh, community. We'll be right across the street from the Black Holocaust Museum. So it's on Vell Phillips between Garfield and North Avenue, uh, between Martin Luther King and, and uh, Vell Phillips, and then... Uh, Garfield and North Avenue. And so it's a beautiful location. We're going to be in the middle of a lot of exciting things that are going on. We'll, we'll be closer to, to downtown. We'll be closer to some of the partners that, that we have, you know, in terms of internships and so forth. So we're, we're really excited uh, about, you know, where we're headed. Yeah, excited to, to see where you're going. And, and again, congratulations on all the wonderful things that you're doing in the community right now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to thank all my guests today, uh, certainly Dr. Howard Fuller and Corey Nettles from the Howard Fuller Collegiate Academy. And in our first two segments, we had Kristen Meckhamson and Cecilia Gore from the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. I'd like to thank you all for prioritizing the needs of the community and for offering all the programs and the education as part of a solution. So thank you for being here today. Thank you.
You're welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or if you would like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 for Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, where you'll learn more about the ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community thrive and be a great place to live and work. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. You can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcast. So decide if and how you want to provide help and support to our community in some way. Random acts of kindness and just giving in general can be so contagious. So jump on the bandwagon and be one of the difference makers. Make it a priority to impact lives by using your time, your talents, and or your resources. I'm sure anything you do will be appreciated. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thank you for listening today and have a great day.